Now, we talked to the guys and we said there might be, this might be misconstrued, but they assured us this name is fully baked. So. Sierra. 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 Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 111. All right, guys. So welcome. This is uh, the big day. <laughs> we had the two episodes kind of leading up to our speculation on what was going to happen this day. And we're actually recording this. Oh, about 20 minutes after the state of the platform's address. So pretty cool stuff, I think. Um, I was there for the keynote, and really, for me, just those crowds and everything, it gets, it gets old, and it's just much more comfortable to sit in my hotel room and stream the platform's address. But So that's what I ended up doing. Uh, you guys are off on your own, in your own places, streaming stuff, too. So, overall, what do you guys think? Are you happy with what you saw today? Uh, so, we, I think we've got just about everything we were expecting, uh, with only a few exceptions, and we can get into details about what we got. But, you know, I, I think uh, some of the things we thought were a long shot, and they ended up happening. Um, a lot more hardware updates than I was expecting. Um, you know, most of them were rumored. I just wasn't expecting to get everything. And uh, the AR, VR, and ML stuff, I, I think that's probably a big chunk of what some of the follow-up sessions are about and probably a big focus and definitely a, a heavier topic. But I think we were... That was kind of a hot and cold, like, you know, will they have something this year or not? Uh, but they ended up pulling it off and getting that in there. Yeah, I was generally uh, surprised about a lot of the stuff we got on VR specifically. I thought Apple was just going to go AR only, but we can talk about that stuff in depth a little bit later. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a a pretty good keynote. I feel like they they made just about everybody happy who is looking for something. I don't know of any... If anything that someone's been wanting for a long time that's that's not there it seems like they had a lot of stuff that they couldn't fit in last year and they just kind of let the floodgates loose yeah and some of the big surprises for me was the external gpu i really wasn't expecting that and the partnership with steam because that's essentially an external app store so um that'll be kind of interesting not to say people aren't already using Steam for games and such, but uh, you know, Apple is basically going to give over some control to Steam. Yeah, I guess we could talk about some of the AR VR stuff now because that was kind of some of the most out there stuff. But I thought it was kind of interesting that Apple went with all of the Steam slash Valve slash HTC uh, VR stuff, and Oculus was nowhere to be heard of. Um, I'm not 100% sure why that was, but I have a feeling 
that even with uh, the enhanced GPU power, they couldn't get Oculus stuff to run on Mac just because the lack of USB ports that the machines typically have, if I had to guess. Um, whereas the the Vive, which is what they showed with their on their icons and in all their demos and stuff like that, uh, basically their trackers don't need any any extra data flowing through the computer. Uh, it just goes to the headset from the trackers itself. Um, well, that's a simplification, but yeah, essentially they don't need to send all this data over USB bandwidth that Oculus does. So I'm, that'd be my guess as to why everything is kind of Vive focused, and we probably won't see any Oculus stuff uh, on the Mac. What was what was your thought on that, Alex? Well, I, th- I think it's interesting because HTC and Google have partnered right for their next generation headset. And, and Google also partnered with Lenovo. Uh, so HTC is kind of uh, partnering up with a couple of the big platforms. And then, you know, I, I, you're probably right about Oculus in a lot of ways. Uh, I think on the surface, Oculus seems like a really good fit for Apple because they both have yeah, definitely similar uh, philosophies. But, you know, you know, some of it could be Facebook, um, you know, I think there's speculation of a new headset, or no, I mean, they actually demoed a new headset for Oculus uh, for later this year, so, or who knows if it will come out this year or not, but uh, we might still see something from Oculus later on, but it seems like, uh, you know, HTC is better positioned now to, to move forward. Oh, yeah, so the other interesting thing about VR was that even if they had announced some type of VR support, you know, it's it seems like it'd be pretty hard to get all the content that's out there now, which is kind of slim and developers are really struggling that, that are doing VR to get their content in as many places as possible. Um, but with all the Metal 2 changes that they announced uh, and the fact that they had basically Unity and Unreal Engine announced as kind of early partners on the Metal 2 stuff, it seems like we might actually get some content on macOS just because, assuming they're running on the latest, uh, you know, Unreal Engine or Unity Engine, it should just be a recompile and boom, you're compatible with macOS. Uh, the developers probably won't have much um, much reason to, to even do that, though, because I can't imagine there's there's that many people with Macs who want to download VR content, so... I, they they did the best they could, I guess, as far as enabling VR developers to get existing content out there. And it seems like they'll be able to enable at least some VR content development, especially when we get the iMac Pro uh, later in the year. What, what, what were your guys' thoughts on the iMac Pro? I guess that's one of the pieces of hardware I thought was pretty relevant to uh, us developers. So the iMac Pro, do you think this is what they were talking about when they're saying that they're going to be working on something that's a lot more modular and better than the Mac Pro, or do you think we're still going to see an actual Mac Pro? I I don't. I, I, they didn't really talk about it, but I, if it's anything like the other iMacs, modular definitely is not the word I would use. Right. I kind of see the eGPU as a more of a modular option to a Mac Book Pro as opposed to an iMac Pro. Uh, so you know maybe we'll still see a Mac Pro. You know, they didn't have a Mac Pro in any of the slides when they talked about the Mac. So, I don't know. It may still be coming, but I 
I think it's really nice hardware. I think most of the people in the room with me were salivating over it, especially the black mouse and keyboard. Um, <laughs> so good colors. But spending 4K and up for a machine you can't upgrade, sure, it's going to be best in class, you know, very, very nice hardware day one. But if you can't upgrade it, that's, that's a pretty big um, investment to make. Uh, so I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I what, wasn't it? I want one, but I don't know if I want one that I can't upgrade. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it four ninety nine, like four thousand nine hundred ninety nine? So I, I can't remember the exact price. That was the entry five. level price. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, basically five thousand for a five K machine. Isn't that much more than uh, the old Mac Pro, which hasn't been updated in a long time? I think that started like in the around the three thousands. I mean, it's more, but you also get the high-end monitor and all sorts of uh, things you don't get with just the base Mac Pro. So I was looking back while you guys were talking over some of those transcripts of the kind of the weird journalist roundup where they talked about the future of the Mac Pro, and they mentioned the iMac and doing kind of a Pro evolution on it as well as the Mac Pro, and they specifically said that wasn't going to be out, that the Mac Pro wasn't going to be out till next year. So I've got a feeling we're still going to see the legit Mac Pro, and they also mentioned that they were going to be doing their own displays again. Right. Uh, so now they minute they, sh- they, they show they're out next they're in. Yeah, well, they did show the iMac Pro driving three 5K displays, one of them being its own. So. It could be that. I mean, they could have changed their mind in the past couple months, but I, I kind of think we're still going to see a, a new Mac Pro that's not this iMac Pro coming. That would be my belief, too. I mean, I think they they had kind of pre-announced this new Mac Pro and then didn't say anything about it at the conference so that people wouldn't really be asking about it. So, And that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll see what they got planned eventually. I, I've got to imagine there's going to be some follow-ups, too, if... You know, if if John Gruber gets uh, some Apple VP on his podcast, I'm sure he'll he'll make make sure that's made clear. Uh, but or we'll hear some other interview from some journalist coming out soon. So we may get updates on that that you may have already heard by the time you listen to this podcast. But yeah. So I I was a little bit shocked at how they glossed over TVOS. Just hey, look, we've got Amazon, and that's about it. Now, he did say that you'll hear more about tvOS later this year, so it sounds like there that's probably going to be a fall event or or sometime later this year, so we might see the next generation of the Apple TV with that and that makes uh, that makes sense, but to Sam's point, like they had six major points, and <laughs> the first one was a thirty second mention of Amazon Prime Video coming to tvOS. Um, I know there's going to be more stuff. Like maybe we'll get a 4K Apple TV with some other stuff in the fall. But it was really weird that that was the whole thing. So it makes me think something was cut at the last minute. I don't know. What do you? What are your thoughts? I don't think it was cut because they they had to fit so much into that time frame. They actually went over their normal two hours. Oh yeah, yeah. maybe it was cut for I time. <laughs> but even in the developer, uh, the platform state of the union, they're they covered a lot of information. 
but they didn't really go into depth and too many things. So, uh, which I guess isn't too unusual, but I'm, there's a lot of things I'm still have questions about that I'm interested to learn more. And I think they'll probably get into that in more details and what's new in uh, Coco Touch and Coco. Yeah. But, and you know, to be fair, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think we can kind of circle back to what they didn't have, what they were missing that we were kind of hoping would be there. But um, maybe we can talk through some of the things that they did uh, present today. And, you know, they, you know, while we're talking about AR, you know, the iPad Pro now has can do 120 frames per second, um, which makes AR pretty viable on a, on an iPad Pro. Well, yeah, that to, that to me just points to the fact that the new iPhone is also going to have uh, that adjustable frame rate display, and there's going to be some kind of headset that it launches with. It, it seems like the logical conclusion because. You can already do AR on your phone just fine, and the frame rate doesn't really get to you as much because it's not the only thing you're seeing. Uh, but w- when it's the only thing that's covering your your eyes, like if you're looking through a camera at the world, that that lag and display is really going to screw with you. So I've, I've got to imagine that is kind of telegraphing a some type of VR AR headset that's coming out with a new phone. Yeah. So uh, they didn't really talk about xcode or swift in the main keynote but xcode 9 definitely has some features we've been waiting on for a long time um probably first and foremost is refactoring yeah there was a lot of cheering for that and you know they said they rebuilt the source editor from the ground up and there's some really nice features there some of them uh, look reminiscent of Swift Playground's code editor. So, you know, they might have uh, borrowed and, and at a minimum learned from there with like the tokens around uh, code blocks. But, you know, for the most part, X, the features in Xcode look really nice. Uh, the Swift 4 features, uh, obviously, no surprises there because it's open source. Um, the uh, there there were a bunch of things on the slide that they didn't even talk about that I'm excited about, like having color assets uh, that are externalized that you can use within storyboards. I believe they said you could use custom fonts for dynamic text. Um, PDF kit. So anybody who's done PDF work, it sounds like might have better support there. Uh, it's the there was something on the slide about vector assets, so that could be interesting. Maybe improvements uh, with using PDF or vectors uh, instead of images. So is this a, with the? I haven't looked into the PDF kit that much, but is this the first time we've had a developer framework Sherlock in, <laughs> in recent memory? Because <laughs> PS PDF kit was a pretty popular and pretty expensive yeah. uh developer framework that a lot of people who dealt with pds use a lot of the time so yeah and and you know probably in typical apple fashion it probably doesn't do nearly as much as as the third party uh sdk does but sure. it probably will meet the requirements of a lot of a lot of apps like you know we use an open source pdf viewer in a lot of applications that we do 
um, mainly because we're working with large PDFs that you can't just open in a Safari or other uh, tools that load the entire PDF in the memory. Uh, so we needed something that could handle uh, larger PDF sizes uh, and not load everything at once. And I'm actually excited about PDF Kit because you know I'm hoping to replace that code with something a little bit more custom than than what we're getting from the open source library. Yeah, and maybe maybe PSPDF Kit will get lucky and like you said, there's just enough features that make it so that you you realize suddenly what you can do with PDFs, and if you want to go that extra mile, then now you know there's this other PDF uh, third-party framework that you can get and pay them money, kind of like the, the coffee shops business going up after Starbucks came around. That could be kind of interesting. Maybe wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, you know, they talked a lot about GitHub integration, Xcode 9, and they even did a demo for that, uh, which, you know, will probably be pretty handy for a lot of people. Um, one of the little things that they just demoed quickly was if you move files uh, to a new folder, it'll actually move them to the physical folder if you've set up folders. Um, that's <laughs> That's been kind of a pain point for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's some new debugging and analysis tools, uh, some improvements in testing and continuous integration, one of the big ones being wireless debugging. And you can do parallel device and simulator testing. Yeah, running the multiple simulators will be really nice. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, just generally speaking, lots of things that are going to improve the... Uh, build times and uh, productivity and uh, even testing cycles. You should see my desk when I'm testing four players playing a multiplayer game at one time. It looks kind of ridiculous right now, but that looks like that'll be simplified a lot in the future. (laughs) And what I didn't see in in what they discussed so far was the ability to detect what devices were connected. So sounds like you still might have to be explicit in in your build scripts on what devices you want to test on um i would love it if you could auto detect that you know these five devices are connected so run it on all five run out all devices i've got yeah. a feeling there's there'll be a way to do that in Fastlane for sure give it a couple months <laughs> uh well they had it in Fastlane, and it introduced problems so they actually rolled it back well, they may have yeah. better access to some of that stuff now, I would imagine. What were, Was yeah, the yeah, problem well, running multiple tests at the same time, or was the problem detecting the devices? He didn't, ex- he didn't uh, explain what the issue was. He just said, uh, because I actually made the request uh, for that feature, and he said it was in there, but they had to roll it back. That's, this was Felix, and uh, in the GitHub issue, kind of going back and forth, he, said, he just said they had to roll it back, and... I didn't really elaborate. Huh. Well, let's cross our fingers. Maybe we'll get that ability with, with some of the new enhancements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something they really didn't spend a lot of time on that I was expecting. And uh, mostly it looks like I didn't get my wish, but uh, changes to the interface. So they have 
made it easy to adopt this new kind of the music app news app style with the bold titles that are lined left and uh, new search bar style uh, it looks like it's pretty easy to adopt that on your own uh, but I was kind of hoping for a stack card or card stack uh, view controller and you know they had some pretty nice transitions in in the app store app and and such I was kind of hoping some of those uh, components would be made available to us as well but so far I have not seen anything in the release notes to suggest that Gen generally I'm not seeing a whole lot in UI kit that's that's listed in uh, the sessions or or the release notes so it's uh, it seems like most of the focus is going to be on the new AR, ML, music kit, and those types of things. You know, drag yeah. and drop, obviously. But Yeah, a lot of the iPad stuff seems like it should be uh, good from, I guess, a productivity standpoint, assuming you know enough developers get around to implementing it. Uh, but it doesn't look super hard from what they showed, of course. I'm sure they only show the super simple examples of implementing drag and drop and and all that good stuff i think if you have a table view or collection view it sounds like you know for the simple use case there's really not a lot you need to do um does yeah, not just... look like we had the uh collection view eclipse table view this year it sounds like table views uh still a first class citizen yeah, I doubt I doubt it'll go away. It's just something on people's wish list. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple things I noticed that are going to affect some of my apps, and after I go through those, I'm curious if there's anything you guys noticed along the same lines. But they got rid of the uh, social section in iOS 11, so you can't log in with your Facebook or your Twitter account anymore. Huh. And I they may have made some mention of this uh I don't know if it was like a privacy thing or what, but um, any apps that use Facebook or Twitter or whatever to log in, any of those social apps, is going to have to be making some changes uh, come iOS 11 time. That's, that's only if you're using the frameworks, the social frameworks. Or, Correct. Um, I think there's actually... And, and it may be taken care of for you, too, because... Um, a lot of times, uh, like Facebook's framework falls back to just using like a, a web view or not a web view, a Safari view controller to log in at this point. Um, if if you're not logged in via uh, the social stuff that's built in, although if you have users that are currently logged into those things, I'm pretty sure any knowledge that the system has of, of that goes away. So if anything, it's going to create kind of a transition headache and I wonder if I'll be curious to dig more into this and see kind of what the thought was behind that. Well, there's um, the accounts framework and then there's the social framework, right? Aren't, aren't there two separate ones? There, yeah. And there's yeah. some overlap between the two. Accounts was something that they never opened up to third parties very much. Like you could never add your own account provider. Yeah, you there could. Was always yeah, the Facebook and Twitter and stuff. But I think it was. And sign a Weibo or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but I think it was more for interacting with those services rather than doing any kind of authentication. So, like, you could no, no. Uh, no? So, like, if you, we have Facebook authentication in our apps, 
and you just get basically a uh, UI alert controller pop-up that says, like, can we use your Facebook account information when you log in if you are logged into the Facebook account framework? And it's like, yep, and then it uses that. You can use it to to do other requests too, but it's also just like a super easy way to authenticate with it. But if you have an app and they're logged in that way, they update to iOS 11. As far as I can tell, uh, your app may think it's logged in, but it's not going to have any account uh, that it's logged into. Um, well, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I know I've worked with the account framework, but I can't think of what app that would have been. It would have been a long time ago. Uh, the social framework, you know, there's the share sheet, which is pretty nice. And I assume that's not going away, but I don't know. I I didn't catch that one, so I'm going to have to dig into it some more. Yeah, I'm guessing my hunch would be that the social framework stuff is probably still there because I think those are mostly implemented via app extensions that the social media apps provide, right? Yeah, you get the basic stuff, and then the third-party extensions can kind of plug into that, and there's some lightweight customization that you can do. I mean, originally that stuff was, the share sheet stuff was, the like Twitter and Facebook stuff was yeah. built in, but then they, I'm pretty sure they've switched, like Facebook and Twitter switched over to using their own third-party extensions. I could be yeah. wrong. Well, and well, the old share sheets for like Twitter and such were kind of dated anyway. So I think the the recommendation was to use the newer social framework share sheet. Yeah. And I'm I'm doing all this for memory, so I might not be getting all of the details right. But we're just making but, stuff up here. <laughs> yeah. Which you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you you already know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm sure we'll find lots of little things like that that yeah. uh, have been deprecated or uh, slowly disappearing um, because they're replaced by something else. Yeah. One other. One other thing I noticed was uh, they made mention a couple times in the keynote to uh, WK WebView having the ability to. I think in the keynote they may have referred to it as like load custom resources or manager resources and i was looking through the documentation it looks like they have implemented some type of content blocking for wk web views which is kind of scary to me since i have ads in my app that aren't wk web views <laughs> um so this is something that i i could have predicted and i i think we may have talked about it a lot or maybe talked about it when they were came out with the ios 9 content blocking as kind of a potential next step that they could do but i'm trying to dig in because there's not much information on it i might have to wait until some of the sessions come out because uh, i can't really figure out exactly what's going on with that from uh the documentation but it should be interesting to see what's going on with i think there's like a class it's like a wk content manager class and stuff like that now so feel free to check out the docs and see if you see anything interesting but not much there yet all right. So, anything else uh, notable, uh, you know, based on just a few hours of of presentation and not a whole lot of details yet? Oh, I I saw a few things that interested me. Um, I did like the fact that wireless debugging is back. I mean, 
that used to be a thing, what, back in the Xcode 4 days, but it, it disappeared. It didn't really like, work very well, but <laughs> maybe yeah. it actually works now. Maybe. It's a good chance. So I think we can was, hope. Yeah. It's 3x but, better. <laughs> it's five times faster. Yeah. Uh, one thing that kind of disappointed me was they didn't mention anything much about the, what, Hyph or whatever you call it that file format and whether they're going to uh, document that and allow other third parties to to integrate with it and use it. Um, the other thing for me was they went and chose this HEVC codec, which looked really great, but then I did a little research on it, and it turns out that it's kind of one of two competing uh, formats right now, and this one happens to be the one that is the most... Uh, patent and royalty encumbered format so third-party adoption of it is really low so like all your video providers like Amazon and Netflix and tons of other big tech companies are all backing this other format called AV1 or AO Media 1 and that's kind of a a disappointment to me yeah because here we are with Apple I guess going their own way again well I mean these are standards and if you know they might not have google and others on board but they probably have adobe um i yeah i don't know about adobe but the that ao media one thing that seems like something that well they're trying to make that a royalty free uh codec so that you you can have it on things like linux for instance without having to pay any kind of patent royalties and to me that's a big deal yeah, but this isn't the first time that Google and others have gone a different route, and you know, unfortunately, for you know, Apple and Adobe tend to dominate and and drive the the popular standards um, because yeah, they have that audience. Yeah, I think it's a situation that's very similar to H two six four and WebM uh, back in the day, and we kind of yeah. saw how that turned out, but I, I'm pretty sure H.265 is actually, there's hardware acceleration support and lots of devices that are shipping already, not just Apple devices. It's not really an Apple-only thing, but I think there's this consortium of people who are trying to make this alternative open source, uh, you know, better, better compression video codec which is the AV1 that you're talking about. And I think at this point, that's more of a theoretical thing. I don't think there's actual, like, devices that ship with it, but, like, TVs and stuff like that have been shipping support, uh, and, like, you know, media streamers have been shipping support for H.265 for a long time. And if if you look for files that have fallen off the back of a truck on the Internet, you'll see... H.265 files <laughs> out there too. So I, I'm pretty sure that this is a, a case of saying, oh man, we're stuck with H.264 having to license it and stuff again. Um, let's let's try this AV1 thing and maybe Apple will hop on board if it, if it picks up Steam. But I think there's already so many like Android phones and stuff are shipping with H.265 support already. So I, I wonder if it's one of those things where it, kind of the battle may already be over yeah there's you know just a little bit more details with the hyph and hevc it looks like at least the hyph side 
Um, the source code for that format's actually on GitHub, and it looks like it's from Nokia. And there seems to be a tight coupling between that format and the HEVC. So it's it's. I don't think Apple came up with it. I think they, at least looking at the docs, it looks like Nokia might have been the ones to present the the format and. Okay, I mean the last so, thing I would want would be to create something in an app that would bundle up a bunch of resources into this yeah. format, send it off to an Android user, and they would be stuck with it, not knowing well, what to do. They briefly mentioned that it would be compatible with everyone. Whatever they didn't really elaborate on what that meant, but supposedly that's not not going to be an issue. I don't know if there's a conversion that happens or. Well, <laughs> who knows? So I've I've tried to play uh, these HEVC files on a computer that does not have hardware support, and it is pretty painful. I think it's going to be one of those things that takes a couple years to transition. But um, like I playing on my on my Mac that I think it was uh, has had four threads working on it, and it basically made my fans start spinning like crazy because. It, it was doing software decoding of this uh, HEVC file. So I, I think it's if you don't have hardware support, it's pretty crappy. Hopefully Apple's GPUs for maybe the past generation or two of devices have support for it. I'm really hoping the fourth gen Apple TVs have support for HEVC and hardware. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a, a super fragmented uh, ecosystem. Yeah, that would make a good sense for the the new apple tv that we're going to see presumably in the fall to have that kind of support yeah i just hope the current one does but i'm guessing it does not (laughs) you got like three of those devices right i do but they're all none of them are on well there's there's one that's on a 4k tv that if we get a new one that has 4k i'll i'll probably only swap out one and i'll just keep all my old h264 content around probably (laughs) yeah so there were quite a few things that were good in this one. Yeah, I don't know if I was really disappointed in anything, but a lot of the names. I mean, really? HomePod? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not yeah. even the worst name that they debuted today. They, I get that the whole home that name was taken for a speaker, but did you really have to like take that name and tack on pod to it? That's just... <laughs> It's like, okay, Google's got the home name, so uh, how can we have our own home speaker? It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if this is one of those things that sounds goofy now, but and give it a couple weeks or a year or whatever, and we're going to think it's fine. Like, remember how many people were dissing iPad when it came out for a variety oh. of reasons, and and now it's just kind of iPad has become the standard name that you call a tablet. Like my my uh, brother-in-law and sister, their kids call their Android tablets iPads just because that's like the name that everybody uses. But do you remember how horrible everyone panned the name iPad back then? Yeah, because it sounds like a hygiene product. Right. I mean, this isn't worse than that, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't know. Then. The other nice name today, Hi Sierra. <laughs> I, I just been... call it Mac OS 420 for short, or just 420. Yeah, I've been trying to hold back on all the puns with Mac OS Hi Sierra. I'm 
I'm holding strong. strong I can't wait now. to see the picture of the, that. Somebody will take a picture of that photo, that background that they ship with the OS, and maybe like just replace those plants in the foreground with a bunch of marijuana plants. I've I've got to guess, Sam, that at the bash, and you you let me know if I'm right or wrong. They're, they're going to have Afro Man singing because <laughs> because I got high. <laughs> Oh, you let me know. <laughs> if not, I, someone's got to do like a parody song <laughs> about Mac OS Sierra or the Dub Dub keynote to that song. <laughs> I seriously thought Craig was joking when he said that because he's done that before. He's yeah. made jokes about the name. And I, I said to everybody in the room, it's like, oh, he's just joking. Don't worry about it. Well, last, last year, one <laughs> of the joke name was Mac OS 10 point whatever weed. So this is a second marijuana related name that they've either joked about or actually gone with so oh man well it is california it's cool <laughs> i guess so <laughs> all you have to do is go to your doctor and tell him you're feeling stressed so yeah names disappointing anything else kind of disappointing to you guys yeah for me the only main thing was i was hoping for a little bit more on the ui kit side and so far i'm not seeing evidence of that but yeah. you know, maybe, maybe when we get into the sessions, there will be more details. One yeah. of the things they spent a lot of time in the keynote was the new app store. And I've, I've downloaded uh, iOS 11 and put it on a test phone and my iPad Pro 12-inch. And so they talked about four of the five tabs in the app. And they did not talk about search at all, which is, is something that a lot of people have been calling for improvements for a very long time. And so that was one of the first things I checked out when I had the OS installed. And so they have made some changes to search, but I'm not sure if they're good changes. Uh, you can basically, kind of like if you were in some shopping app, you can now sort by relevance, which I think is the old um, search. It's just called relevance. You can sort by rating, which basically brings all of the apps that have been, that either only have like three or four reviews and they're all five stars uh or apps that have just recently updated and have five stars so there's that new mode there's also a release date mode bringing us back to the the days of the app store when people would just like do super minor updates to their app just so it would pop pop up to the top of the list you guys remember that (laughs) (laughs) especially before the app store freeze so you could yeah. possibly get high up in the rankings and stay there for a while. Yeah. So I'm kind of underwhelmed by the search changes as they are. I'm I'm wondering if those will all stay or if, or if things are going to change. And actually, I only see that on the iPad right now. I do not see that um, on the phone, which is interesting. So, yeah, maybe that's something they're still playing with. Yeah, I'm curious about their their whole today thing. Yeah, that definitely seems like curated content, kind of like the yeah. news. Yeah, it definitely looked like the news or Apple Music. Apple Music has uh, their Connect feature. So I think, yeah, they're going to treat it more like editorial content, which it is today, just not organized in a magazine news style. I wonder if they buy out one of those app review websites that they've slashed their revenue with their recent affiliate 
link changes and then say, all right, you're doing the App Store <laughs> articles now. <laughs> they already had Yeah, they had a big editorial. For different yeah. categories, so it's not a huge switch for them. It's just more how it's presented. Yeah, it may actually surface some of that stuff more than the way it was now, which will be good, I think, overall. And, and I don't know if I followed completely the process of it, but it looked like you would have additional content like uh, player videos, tips, and, and other things in addition to just your product page. Well, yeah, but it looks I, like... I don't know who I don't know how that content gets published. Yeah, it looks like there may be two things. There may be the editorial stuff that that they can do, and there's also the individual like product pages have been completely redesigned, and it looks like we may have the ability to do more with our product pages and i i think there's a session about the new app store later on in yeah. the week so check that one there's, out if you want to find more details on that there's also a what's new in store kit but that may just be the uh new way of asking for reviews um have to see what else is in there so yeah, what do you guys oh, sorry go ahead you can go ahead all right so what do you guys think about the whole files app? I mean, originally iOS, one of its guiding philosophies was hide the file system from the user because it's a complication that shouldn't exist on a mobile device. And now as the iPad moves into a more pro role, we're actually getting files. And it started with iCloud Drive last year, but this year we're actually getting like a full-on file manager. It's just a... Uh, seems to run contrary to the a core principle in iOS. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, once you start doing drag and drop, you know, the, you're going to have these scenarios where you're going to want to download a image or a document from, uh, from a website and then drop that into an email or into a presentation. And I, I just got done implementing a feature for uploading files from CloudKit and that's kind of a narrow viewpoint because it's just CloudKit. And what I really want was like a more broader uh, file system that you could pull files from. Because honestly, creating the document providers, it seems like it's, it's a lot more work than it should be. And I think they've kind of revamped all that with this new file app. It may still be difficult to create providers. But now you have a bit of integration with CloudKit and other providers as well, like Dropbox and such. Yeah, that was a good feature. I was happy to see that they were exposing those kinds of services as well. Which, on the enterprise side, they had this idea of uh, file providers or whatever they called it. Um, so as an enterprise, you can say, well, we're going to connect you to CloudKit or Dropbox or what whatever one was supported uh, so they kind of had that idea at the enterprise level but i think this unifies it a little bit more maybe and brings that feature for the consumer yeah i think the, the whole file system thing we we looked at that as one of those features that you were supposed to hide and your app probably should still hide a lot of that yeah, and, and it's not like a complete file system. It's not like you know somebody was saying that they wanted to be able to shell in and um, get into the command line but and, and run shell commands, but 
um, you know, that's, if you're doing that, then you're not really using the hardware as intended. It's no longer a consumer device. Um, So I think they've still hidden some of those details away. It's not full access to the file system. But yeah, it's, you know, the, the mouse metaphor and the file system metaphor are these really old concepts that have been around since the GUI um, based PCs. Oh, way before that. If we're talking uh, about the file mouse. Systems. Talking about the mouse. But yeah, 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 with the file system, yeah. And, you know, arguably those metaphors are, are overdue to be replaced. It's just touch is not a bad replacement for the mouse or voice. But uh, I don't think we've come up with a better way of dealing with the file system yet, that metaphor. Yeah, I think a lot of people have tried and a lot of people have failed. Like, I I remember it seemed like there's four or five versions of Windows where they said, all right, we've got this database-based file system where you just kind of search for your junk and it magically shows up. And that was always going to be, like, the big new feature. And that was going to replace the file system as we knew it, and it never came to be. iOS tried to just get rid of it, and if you're trying to do productivity type stuff like you're used to on a computer there's there's not like an alternative where you can do stuff at least as fast so i feel like they tried as as much as they could to kind of come up with enough abstraction to to get away from it but i i feel like ultimately they just had to realize kind of like some of the other extremes that apple has gone to that all right maybe this was too extreme let's dial it back a little bit like they did with uh the flat design in iOS 7. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't um, like that answer, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm still open to where it's going to go. I just, I don't want to see apps implementing a bunch of file open dialogues just for, like, open your save file. Yeah, that's, that's not going to be good. Yeah. And I would hope those kinds of things wouldn't make it past reviews. Or even in the code. Wouldn't you like the ability to to manage your save files in in something? I mean, you can't uh, even do it now. Yeah, it depends. Like a image editor, yeah, sure. Uh, a game, not necessarily. I mean, it's nice yeah. to be able to like ship a save file over to a friend and say, "Hey, load up this one and see if you can beat this score, or beat this particular setup." But overall. Okay. Maybe not so much for a game. I think yeah. that, I think it's going to be mostly productivity and document management apps, where that makes sense. And we've had that for a while. Like very early versions, you had to go through iTunes to get files onto the system, and then you could access it for that app. And then CloudKit was added, or iCloud was added, Cloud Drive, and so on and so forth. So this is just kind of a Evolution, but I, you know, this is part of the the iPad can compete with the uh, with, with Microsoft's, but yeah, the desktop or Microsoft's tablet or the Surface. Um, some of it's just kind of keeping up with the Joneses, perhaps. But yeah. if you want to do content creation on on an iPad, like if you want to put a presentation together, it's not easy. Um, without a file system, yeah, and I would I would hope that now that you have the drag and drop, and that was 
I was really impressed that they didn't just take drag and drop and say, okay, we're going to have this one finger track across the screen. No, you can actually, they went a step further and made everything interactive behind it, which is great because if you've ever tried to drag and drop a file into a, a subfolder in Finder and you overshoot it and you kind of miss and you're trying to drag that thing just oh, down close enough in the scroll view <laughs> so that the scroll view goes down but it goes down too fast yeah it's terrible so this is drag and drop the way it would be implemented really on a touch device and i think they really took advantage of the multi-touch feature and to some degree gestures because um you know it's it, it's still fairly intuitive we haven't really seen a lot done with gestures uh that's creative and and I don't know how creative this really is but uh, you can do complex workflows using touch that um, I don't think I would have thought of doing it this way there was somebody um, who posted something on Mac rumors that actually was really close uh, to what they ended up producing well wasn't there an app too recently that came out just that had a drag and drop between its suite of apps yeah, Riaddle did. They have like a a document browser, a PDF manager, the the scanner thing, and they got an email client too. So okay, so they get to replace a lot of their code. Well, yeah, I think they were tr- they were like, oh crap, Apple's going to come out with us. We got to <laughs> ship it before DubDub, but so we get like some press. Well, <laughs> you know, and Apple was managed managed to do that, you know inner process well at the same time keeping it encrypted during that so it's you know they probably went way beyond what Riaddle did oh yeah it's I'm sure it's a way <laughs> way more robust implementation as we could tell like from the Adobe demo in the yeah. platform state yeah. of the union yeah that was really cool I well, well the Riaddle uh, thing probably only works in their own suite of apps right because they they probably use yeah. like a, a shared keychain Probably yeah. shared yeah. Uh, data um, groups. Yeah, user activities or something. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's broken on iOS 11 too, just with uh, all the new <laughs> iPad multitasking stuff. Yeah, yeah, could be. So I, I had we're getting kind of late, but I had one more question for you. Is there we we got the whole uh, schedule of sessions revealed to us uh, today? Is there anything that you're looking forward to watching or Sam that you're looking forward to going to? I know one of our questions uh, beforehand uh, was like, normally there's this Friday lunch keynote and it's like the coolest one, the, the most famous person that you can go and, and see, but they didn't have one on the schedule this year. And I'm wondering if that was supposed to be Moshe- Michelle Obama, which they announced. Uh, I, I don't remember if it was the State of the Union or during the actual keynote, but uh okay yeah she's gonna be there uh tuesday morning for morning yeah yeah some type of um q a i guess so that sounds like that might be a a cool session to go to not that i'm going to be there for it but what what are you guys looking forward to so i haven't had time to examine the new schedule yet it's still kind of early for me but i I mean, I'll, whatever I don't hit, I'm probably going to watch in video anyway. Yeah, the 
I'm really curious if they're going to have some of those uh, lunchtime sessions um, shared. I think sometimes there's there's uh, copyright or or you know some maybe somebody owns the rights to the materials and you know royalties and all that get into or it. They, or they just want some benefit for the people who pay the that fancy ticket to come out to the conference too yeah so i mean there's two on tomorrow the michelle obama one in the morning and then for at lunch they have dr christine darden uh which is uh one of the uh individuals that the hidden figures movie was based on actually just watched that the other night with the kids really good movie um so that one would be pretty interesting i think yeah i think that was the only one that was in the schedule to begin with so i don't know if there are other ones i haven't really even scrolled forward to look at yeah. like wednesday or anything in terms of the sessions uh i always enjoy the what's new in coco and coco touch those are you know in a way those kind of are the next level of overview sessions of all the other sessions that will be discussed uh looks like there's some updates to networking that are probably are a must-see and then quite a bit of it's going to be ml ar type of things and i i think between google and apple both spent quite a bit of time uh during their developer conference talking about ar and or vr and ai well even facebook too because they have their whole uh, camera api thing that it's like a JavaScript-based thing yeah. that you can create all kinds of scenes around people's faces right. and things. Right, yeah. And uh, Google announced TensorFlow Lite, which is their, what is it, computer vision, um, but on device. So Yeah, you know, it's a recognizer, yeah. I think this is going to be an area that there's enough noise about it that you know, it's definitely something to get familiar with and I think a lot of it comes down to taking those basic apps and making them smarter and you, we have these really powerful tools potentially to do that I played around a little bit with uh, Google stuff um, for one of the apps that I work on wasn't quite where I needed to be without doing a lot of training of the computer vision but you know it's it's evolving fast. Have you guys checked out that hot dog or not app though? That one's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and that was in the that was on the um, State of the Union. They did mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk. They talked about how you had to roll your own previously, and they showed that yeah. as one of the things. <laughs> I don't know if there was a pun with the roll and hot dog or anything. Anyways, he was, he was uh... full of them. <laughs> So, two other sessions that I'm jealous of you for, Sam. There's a movie night on Wednesday night, which that might be something unique. Uh, but then I also saw later on in the week they're doing a series or a premiere of the first episode of Planet of the Apps. So, do you think you'll be checking that one out? <laughs> uh, what day is that? On Thursday or something? It's tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah, so it would be 6.30, I believe, your time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure Planet of the Apps is going to be a show that, like, kind of like Shark Tank, where if you're uh, 
actual entrepreneur. It makes you cringe watching it. I'm sure developers, it'll make cringe. Maybe other people will think it's interesting or maybe it'll just be super boring because I don't think a show about a bunch of us developers would be all that interesting. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I've listened to other podcasts speculate on what it could be like and they had some good ideas. But I, yeah, we'll see how the, this one is. Yeah. I think the core intuition guys said that if it's kind of, if it's anything like, say, that British baking show that it would be pretty good but if it's anything like an american reality tv show it'll probably be pretty bad i'm sure it's gonna lean more towards american reality tv show so that's why i cringe a little bit you're talking about the british baking show where everybody just actually like gets along and tries to do well yeah friendly to each (laughs) other helpful yeah (laughs) well gordon ramsay's english that's that's not that doesn't fall into that category. <laughs> no. No, there's so. a specific one they were talking about. Yeah. I'm, I feel I'm like sure. two of the most harsh uh hosts of reality shows are both English, so I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to understand why the English ones are are uh friendlier. I'll, we'll put a link to that episode in the show notes so that you can check it out, Alex, the episode they were talking about. Yeah. Well, chefs are actually pretty boisterous and there's a lot of ego yeah but and actually if you watch gordon ramsay in the hell's kitchen he's you pretty much hate the guy but there was one uh show that he did where he would go and help failing restaurants try to turn themselves around and in that one he was actually human and palatable to watch well he's got one with kids too so hopefully he doesn't yell at the kids (laughs) there's no crying in the kitchen (laughs) Uh uh-oh so. Alright, well I think that's about all the time we have left So why don't you guys Tell us where we can find you on the internet You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter You can find me at Sam Corder And if you happen to see me Running around at Dub Dub Stop and say hi uh, And you can find me at Alex Argo The podcast is at Shared Inst And come uh, join us And talk about all this cool Dub Dub stuff uh, In our Slack by going to Chat.SharedInstance.com and hit that star button in Overcast uh, to recommend us to all your developer buddies. I'll talk to you guys later. Cool. See you. Later.